Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 304 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by the former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing, my man? I'm good, my man. How are you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good. So, same as ever, we're going to dive straight in to the review part. A lot to to preview and a little bit to review as well. So let's let's dive straight in at the Falls Park in Belfast, Northern Ireland. This one took place last Friday, August sixth. Um, Michael Conlon topped the bill. He's now sixteen and zero. A unanimous decision over twelve against former world champion T.J. Doheny, who's now twenty-two and three. Doheny was down in the fifth round from a body shot. It was for the WBA interim world featherweight title. I mean, that is probably the only way um, I can see Michael Conlon kind of getting his hands on a version of a world title if he gets upgraded or something. Uh, but that's my opinion there. Um, you know, it was a decent fight. I expected it to go that way. I thought that he'd win on points. I think that Doheny is a very, very tough guy. I was quite shocked to see him go down in that fifth round, but it was a great body shot from Conlon. Give him credit for that one. But, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was what it was. Um, you know, like I say, it was a, it was an all Irish fight. It was a big fight in Ireland, you know, a good crowd as well. I mean, the atmosphere looked unbelievable and I was watching it on TV. Like it looked amazing. Um, another step in the right direction for Conlon, uh, you know, probably the best win of his career has to be by far, I should say. But, um, yeah, you know, it was what it was. I think Doheny is not really the same fighter since losing in that absolute war with Daniel Roman. And since then, he hasn't quite looked himself. He's coming off now two losses in a row. So we shall see what happens for him. But onwards and upwards for Mr. Michael Conlon. On the undercard, Lee McGregor now 11-0. and A KO in round four against the previously undefeated 32-0 and Vincent Legrand. Um, like I said, it was for the EBU European Bantamweight title. McGregor himself down in the second round and Legrand down in round four. It wasn't the way we, we thought it would go. Um, McGregor was just struggling in that first round. He couldn't work out the southpaw stance of Legrand. He was down in the second round, like I say. It wasn't a heavy knockdown. Um, I was just bamboozled like everyone else by what I was watching. McGregor seemed to be getting hit a lot in the fight. Um you know, which isn't really like him, and yeah, he was just struggling with that southpaw stance, I think, um, he came out in the third round, and he had a better round, but it wasn't all McGregor, um, and then yeah, you know, the stoppage came, like I say, in the fourth round, it kind of came out of nowhere, to be honest with you, uh, the body shot didn't even look like a big shot, Legrand went down, he spat out the gum shield, and allowed himself to be counted out, he got straight back up at the count of 
about ten and a half. And the commentator said, you know, he hadn't given any rounds to McGregor at the point of the stoppage. So, like I said, it was a bizarre performance from McGregor. Um, and, you know, after coming off that first round knockout over Karim Guerfi, where he looked a million dollars, he looked a trillion dollars, and then he goes into this one. I mean, the guy was 32-0. We analysed his record. It was a bit inflated. And I didn't expect him to be going down like that. I mean, it was it was a weird performance. Um, elsewhere on the card, we should mention it was a really good fight actually between Tyrone McKenna and Jose Felix. McKenna now 22 and 2 with a draw, unanimous decision over 10 against Jose Felix. Now 39 and 5 with a draw. It was for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Super Lightweight title. Tyrone McKenna always in a tough fight, never makes it easy for himself. He's got the reach and and you know the height and stuff like that usually over his opponents, but he doesn't use it. He decides to have have a war. Um, a good win as well for Sean McComb. He battled back. He came back, obviously, after quitting, let's be honest, in his last fight against uh, Gavin Gwynn. He's now 12-1, and one, a points win over eight against the teak-tough Argentinian Vicente Martin Rodriguez, 39-7 and seven now with a draw. I think he's Argentinian. Moving out now, though, to the Matchroom HQ Garden in Brentwood, Essex, United Kingdom. Over here, let's start with the undercard. Um, going to start here with the with the women's fight that opened the card. We saw Ebony Bridges move to six and one, a TKO in round three against Beck Connolly, who's now three and ten. Connolly down just the once in that third round. Um, when you look at it on paper, it looks like a decent win. I mean, I didn't expect Bridges to knock. Connolly out. Connolly had only been stopped twice in those nine fights, uh, those nine losses, sorry. Once to uh, Terry Harper, who's a undefeated world champion. Once to Natasha Jonas, who can bang, who arguably should be a world champion. Ebony Bridges, you know, she's not really proven, to be honest with you. Um, I don't really believe in her power too much. She had two knockouts in five wins. One was to a girl who'd never, ever fought. And, you know, she boxed her on her debut and got knocked out. You don't know how good or bad she is. And the other girl that she knocked out, I think, had 12 losses and had been knocked out six times. So I didn't think that, you know she'd be able to stop Bet Connolly. But she did, so, you know, I take my hat off to that. I feel like Bridges picked her shots really well against Connolly, who, you know, let's not let's not lie here. I mean, she's a journey woman, but being honest, um, and this is the thing that I don't think everyone understands, they pulled, um, you know, Bet Connolly down from featherweight to bantamweight. You know, she'd never weighed close to bantamweight in her life. She'd lost about... Uh, five or six pounds for this fight here which I felt was quite ridiculous especially when there's no title on the line and it probably impacted her punch resistance but like I say on paper a decent win for Bridges um, still not convinced that she's like a world beater or anything like that I really want to see Rachel Ball back in the mix what is going on with her someone inform me um, let's move on now to the Johnny Fisher fight. Johnny Fisher now, um, what's his record now? 3-0. A TKO in round two against Danny Whittaker, who's now 4-4. Four four. Whittaker down twice in that second round. Um, quite brutal, to be honest, from Johnny Fisher. Um, I said that Whittaker was down twice. I think he was down three times. Um, Whittaker, um, you know, gutsy, game, brave, but I liked what 
what Fisher did. You know, it was it was like I say, very brutal, and he's classy. Um, at one point, Eddie Fisher, you know, he put Whitaker down. I think it was the first of the three knockdowns, and when he put him down, he actually hit him when he was kind of on his knees. He was down when he hit him, and <laughs> he instantly hugged him to say sorry while the guy was down on one knee, and the guy hugged him back, and then obviously <laughs> beat the count and got back up. So it wasn't malicious from from Johnny Fisher, um, but yeah, good brutal performance. Clearly, still a work in progress but nonetheless an exciting heavyweight figure I think for the future uh, moving on now um, Akib Fiaz with a win he's now 7-0 and an expected points win over 8 rounds although I'm hearing he didn't have it all his own way he only won by a point 77-76 against Kevin uh, Kevin Baudespino who's now 9-6 and with 2 draws um, let's talk about Alan Babic, I mean, he had to dig deep, which I didn't expect. His opponent came into the fight after almost two years out, and his opponent came into the fight with a black eye before the fight had started, and 15 extra pounds around his waist. Um, he hadn't been stopped in his one loss, which was to Nick Webb, and he hadn't been past six rounds. I expected Babic to knock him out quite early, within a couple, uh, but yeah, wow, did his opponent eat some shots and land some good ones? Um, I felt it should have been stopped way earlier. I was worried for, um, you know, for Mark Bennett's health, to be honest. He was taking so many big shots. His brain must have been going everywhere in his in his head. Um, and yeah, what was great about this fight is right afterwards, Alan Babich, the savage, proposed to his girlfriend, uh, which was beautiful, in Eddie, in Eddie Hearn's back garden. They'll never forget that one. Um, you know, he got down on one knee in the post-fight, um, interview. She had no idea. It was beautiful, actually. Um, it was it was really nice to see. And just looking at him against um, against Bennett. Bennett just looked so much bigger than him. He looked really small, Babich. Uh, you know, they say he's really a cruiserweight fighting at heavyweight. Um, once again, I'm not sure what the win proved, but a good win all in all. Uh, elsewhere on the card, let's talk about. Um, I liked these heavyweight matchups that they were throwing in. Uh, let's talk about Fabio Wardley, now 12-0, a TKO in the first round against Nick Webb. It was for the English heavyweight title. 17-3 uh, now, Nick Webb. Um, Nick Webb came out all guns blazing. He was winning the round for sure. He got caught in the corner, and he had no idea how to block the punches. He went down and, for me, took a knee, but Wardley kept punching, and then the referee jumped in and stopped it. Awful stoppage. Very premature, in my opinion. It left a bitter taste in my mouth. Uh, we won't see the rematch, but I'm not sure what we've learned about Wardley. And as for Webb, despite on paper being stopped in one round, I... I don't think he really took any punishment, and I'm more excited to see him back than I am Wardley. So, uh, taking nothing away from Wardley, he did what he had to do. You know, he weathered a storm, he came back, got the knockout, even though I don't think it should have been stopped. But, um, yeah, all the best to him. But I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Nick Webb. I like Nick Webb a lot. And moving up to the main event, Kid Galahad, he's the new IBF World Featherweight Champion. Finally, he has got over the line. He's 28-1. and one. Um, His opponent, Jezza Dickens, retired on his store at the end of round 11. He couldn't come out for that final three minutes. He's now 30-4. and four. I was sad for Jazza Dickens because he's a friend of the show as well. I didn't want to see him get stopped. I thought that it would go all the way, so I was almost right, but I was wrong in the end. 
Um, yeah, let's talk about that fight there. You know, I tweeted it as well in the week. I'd be happy for either guy to win the fight. Both guys, friends of the show. Good first round for Jazza Dickens. I felt that Kid Galahad took over from the second round onwards. And Galahad is so technically sound. He doesn't really make many mistakes. He kept investing in the body of Dickens early. His footwork and his jab and the switch hitting. I mean, he's, he's just such a classy boxer. And I said he might just be a little bit too cute for Jazza Dickens. It, it definitely looked that way. Um, around the midway point, Dickens' face was starting to get really busted up. The punch picking of Galahad was on another level to Dickens. The one thing that went against Galahad was the point deduction for repeatedly stepping on Jazza Dickens' feet. And in the end, like we say, after 11 rounds, Dickens' corner pulled him out because uh, his face was bloodied up. He had a badly swollen, I think it was left eye, and he was done. You know, it was it was it was it would have been a bit crazy to send him out for that 12th and final round. You know, there was no there was no need. There was nothing to prove. And it's another world champion for Brendan Ingle, which is crazy. I mean, this is a guy who, like Emmanuel Stewart, you know, tipped a few guys to become world champions and then passed away and didn't get to see them fulfill on what he'd said. And um, it's another two world champions in two weeks for Brendan Ingle. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. Um, obviously... Uh, we had Lee Wood and then now Kid Galahad, two guys that spent a lot of time in the Ingle gym, uh, you know, the, the Winker Bank gym back in the day. And um, it's just amazing to see, like, when you hear about these things, when someone tips someone to be a world champion, they pass away and then they get it right. Just like when, um, you know, Emmanuel Stewart said that Tyson Fury would be the the you know the future of the heavyweight division and he'd be a world champion and he's going to take over from Klitschko it's just it's just crazy when you hear things like this um so yeah that I think was that card we've gone through everything there haven't we Galahad Wardley Babich Bridges Fiaz Fisher yeah um moving out now to the card that took place at the Minneapolis Armory in Minnesota USA over here we will be speaking to him very shortly um we will be speaking to him very shortly um, Michael Fox. Um, so yeah, just before the fight started, when they were walking to the middle of the ring, uh, Michael Fox's dad, um, Troy Fox, I believe his name is, he spotted that the opponent, Gabriel Maestra, his, his, like, you know, the tape that's supposed to be around his wrist, it wasn't signed off on, and it was almost coming up his glove to the base of his thumb kind of thing. So he spotted that, he he alerted the referee, the referee made them re-wrap that, which I've, I don't think I've seen um, in the past, it was very high up on the glove. So straight away he made him re-wrap it, um, the, the first round of the fight when it eventually did start, because this delayed it by some moments or some minutes, um, you know, the first round could have gone either way. The second round, obviously, uh, Michael Fox dropped Maestre in the second round with a lovely left hand, and Fox went on to dominate the fight quite easily, I felt. He was boxing off the back foot, but also getting the better of the exchanges when up close. The commentary scorecard uh, was 119-108 for Michael Fox, so that's 11 rounds to one, including that 10-8 round for the knockdown in round two. So they had it that wide. They had it to Michael Fox by 11 points. On the commentary, um, I think it was Marcos Villegas um, who did the scorecard, but also on the commentary was Joe Goosen and Lennox Lewis. They didn't object to that. Um, and yeah, when the scorecards were read out from the three official judges, somehow we heard a unanimous decision for Maestre. And it's one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in my life. Um, it seems to be happening all too often. It's ruining the sport that we all love. And 
I'm happy that a lot of people are standing up about this. I mean, it was it was blatant incompetence, and I can't really bring myself, you know, I can't really find the words to describe it. It, it, it was unbelievable. I'm lost for words on how they can do something that blatant. The fight was on Fox, for crying out loud. The fight was on Fox. Everyone's got that channel in the US. People were watching it in the UK. You can't do this on a, on a show like that. You can't do this that blatantly, you know? But we will be speaking to Michael Fox, and we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, disgraceful. And the fact that Gabriel Maestre is now the WBA interim world welterweight title uh, champion, I should say, after after four fights, he's now 4-0. and That's a joke. He was 3-0 and with three KOs. He got totally outclassed, didn't come close to getting another knockout. All his other three fights had, had, had took place in Colombia. It was disgraceful. It was disgraceful. There should be an immediate rematch or an investigation into what's gone on because I've I've got to say I think it's corrupt. Something's going on there. It's 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 it's, uh, it's inexcusable. Um, and the fact that Michael Fox came into the fight on late notice ridiculous. Anyway, elsewhere on the card. Friend of the show, Devon Alexander, returned to the ring. He lost a 10-round unanimous decision to Lucas Santamaria, who's on a bit of a roll now. In his last fight, he beat Michael Fox, who I've just been speaking about. And now he's beaten former world champion Devon Alexander. So he's better than his record suggests. He's 12-2 and with a draw. Um, it wasn't the best fight to watch, though. Elsewhere on the card, um, Imantas Stanionis, 13-0. and I think he had about... 9 or 10 KOs. He got in there with former world champion Louis Calazzo in what was going to be Calazzo's retirement fight. Really good fight while it lasted. It went into the fourth round and it was a great fight up until that point. Louis Calazzo came and, you know, tried to put it on the young prospect and he probably wasn't winning the fight, Calazzo, but it was close. It was nip and tuck. And then in the fourth round, a head clash and Louis Calazzo... I've got to be honest, I think he made a meal out of it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, he, he he fell on the floor, he couldn't stand up, he was like, you know, blinking real hard. The referee was happy to give him five minutes, he was wincing. The cut didn't look that bad. Uh, he was he just couldn't get up. He, he You know, they were saying, is he concussed? What's going on? They gave him a few minutes and he couldn't stand up, he was all over the place. Uh, the ringside doctor asked, could he see? He said no. And they stopped it, so it ended up being a no contest, and Louis Calazzo, the moment that they said the fight's over, he got straight back up, so I'm not sure what was going on there, but I want to say, I think Bernard Hopkins would have been proud there. Um, <laughs> elsewhere on that card, I think we've gone through that card actually. Um, yeah, no, that is it for that card. So that is it for the review part of the show. I've tried to fly through that as quick as possible. But yeah, just before we wrap up the review part of the show and welcome our first guest, it's now time to thank our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, but the opinions expressed are those of myself and former heavyweight world title challenger Eddie Chambers. Manscaped are a leading brand in below-the-waist grooming. Um, last week when we spoke about this product, and, and the products that they sent us to, to try out, Eddie. Um, I just kept speaking and speaking and speaking. And I was talking from the heart and it felt great, you know. It was uh, it was great speaking about this, but I didn't really give you a chance to talk about it. So I wanted to ask you, you've obviously tried out the products now. What was your thoughts on, uh, you know, the products as a whole or each product individual? Take it away, man. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a person who was always, you know, with the below-the-waist grooming. And thanks to Manscaped, they made it even easier. Because honestly, you know, with the 
with you know the the creams and all that stuff you got to use and shaving sometimes you get cuts and you know little nicks and things like that and it can make it a bit uncomfortable even after but with manscaped it was actually kind of easy man you just take the clippers down there just as if you were cutting your head you know what i mean and and, and get a nice little shave or actually not your head your beard and um give it a nice trim you could even design it if you want you know what i mean whatever you uh, whatever you desire but the ball reviver which i really like uh, it's, it, it's, you feel clean afterwards, you know what I mean? And then on top of that, they got this lovely smell and deodorant. I mean, I never heard of a ball deodorant in my life <laughs> until now, but I got to say, it's a great addition to the, to the package and it just makes it all, all nicer. You know what I mean? Like I said, you can go out, you can be confident that you're clean down there. You know what I mean? So respect the manscape and <laughs> that will not be a one-time use. I'm going to be getting a lot of a lot of uh, reps in with that. Trust me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with everything you say. I mean, I particularly really like the deodorant. I mean, it smells amazing. Obviously, you know, you know the little trick. You do the deodorant. When it dries, you spray on a little bit of that ball toner and refresher, and it just makes it all smell beautiful. It really does. Um, but, yeah, like I say, we're sponsored by Manscaped. You can visit them uh, at www.manscaped.com and use the promo code BOXHARD for 20% off and free shipping as well. Uh, they had a sale on last week, and I think the sale's ended now, but the sale can continue if you use the code BOXHARD. Like I say, once again, 20% off and free shipping. And who knows, maybe you'll have people running back to your sack. I'm telling you now, myself and Eddie certainly do. <laughs> your balls will thank you. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely and like like i said we've 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 thanked the sponsor there it's now time to welcome our first guest on this week's podcast ladies and gentlemen please welcome the top welterweight prospect slash contender and the man i should be calling the interim world champion if he wouldn't have been robbed on saturday night is of course mr michael fox mike welcome back on the show my friend hey joey thanks for having me man appreciate it Always a pleasure speaking with you, Mike. So first things first, how are you feeling right now after such a horrendous robbery on Saturday night? Obviously a unanimous decision for your opponent, but it was a unanimous decision for yourself on Twitter, on social media. I haven't seen even one person say you didn't win that fight. Yeah, it, it was. It still, it still, it still stings. But like, but the biggest thing about it is, and what my coach and my, my dad slash coach is telling me is that everybody's seen this. Like that the whole world watch watched you watch you get stuck up watch you get robbed tonight. So, you know, we can find a little comfort in that. But like had had it just been a dog show, everybody just would have been like we we would have told, Oh man, he got robbed. They were like, Yeah, okay, man, he'll get him next time but everybody's seeing it and everybody's being vocal about it. And that's and that's uh and that's helping me tremendously. And obviously it wasn't the only thing that, that happened that night you know your opponent tried to have the fight with his tape way too high on the glove um tell me about that obviously your dad spotted it he made them redo the tape and that was just the start of uh you know all the issues i guess yeah um so so that was what i saw okay i saw he had the gloves um the gloves were taped too high and the gloves were not signed off on by an inspector 
um, you could see the referee Mark Nelson asking. He said, "Yo, who signed off on these? I, then, these are these are too high. I want to know who signed off on them." I mean, I don't know if anybody took ownership of it, but um, uh, but that was the that wasn't even where it started. It started when I sent my cut man to uh, wrap his hands. Uh, I mean, to 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 wash his hands get wrapped. Excuse me. He um. He he was he was uh he was kind of stacking, he, not kind of he was stacking, putting the tape on the tape on the skin like tape gauze and more tape, which is uh which is illegal here in the state. I don't let me let me go on record and say I don't think my Stray is a dirty fighter. Um, I think in other he's fought like most of his fights have been in Colombia. They might allow that in in their their inspectors may allow that in their commission. Um, and in a world title fight, you want to do what you've normally been able to do. You don't want to change anything. Um, it's the biggest fight of your career. I don't think my history is dirty, but I will say, um, but, but I, w- I will say, I will say that 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 was the, just the glove. That wasn't the only thing. He was trying. To, he was intentionally or unintentionally trying to stack, and then uh, then he taped the gloves too high, which is uh, the, the term I heard for it is called skinning the gloves to make the knuckles more apparent. And uh, when he punches, um, like I said, if they're used to doing that in different countries, that that is that's a that's not something I'm gonna hold against Gabriel himself. But um, there, there was a, there was a lot of con- there was a lot, that that, that could have been that could have been a lot of controversy in there. But um, shout out to to Marshall Coffin, my promoter, who actually he actually spotted it and my, my he told my father and my father uh, said something about it um, and we got it fixed and that was what that that ten minutes was. Now, um, on the broadcast of him fixing his gloves, that's what that was about. If anyone didn't know, yeah, no, for sure. And tell me, Mike, about the fight itself. I mean, some people felt you may have lost the first round. Obviously, you came out and you know put him down in the second round. A brilliant left hand, and after that, you seemed to dominate the fight pretty much in ninety-nine percent of people's eyes, right up until the final bell. Yeah, well, in that first fight, I mean, that first round. My big, my main thing is to make sure I'm not getting hit, and I'm establishing, uh, and I'm establishing my jab, and I'm establishing good, uh, hard, hard, sharp, straight punches, you know, to keep these guys out. Um, so may, maybe I, so I probably lost, I could have lost the first round because he jumped in and charged in the dude, and, and and threw a bunch of stuff that didn't land and didn't really, and if it did land, it probably didn't hurt. Um, but that's my round to, you know, establish my jab. And to establish my jab, establish my defense, my timing on defense as well. And then, um, you know, that 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 left hand that I put him down with the second round was something I was looking for since the first round. So, yeah, okay, so maybe I did lose the round, but um, but look, but but look, I made up for it in a big way in the second round. Yeah, you certainly did, and like I say, after that you seemed to dominate. You fought unbelievable, especially um, coming in on late notice, which you know kind of it hurts even more the fact that it was a unanimous decision the other way I mean it was it was awful people are talking about WBA corruption um is that something you believe in as well I know people like Al Bernstein come out and said things like that that's quite a big allegation um what's your thoughts on that kind of stuff I mean it's a it's a big allegation Al Bernstein has been in the uh in the in the fight in the, in the fight game longer than I have to, to, to talk about long time corruption. I don't I haven't really gotten in too far into that. You know, if you wanna talk corrupt anybody wants to talk corruption they can 
they can take that up with uh, my advisor or my promoter, my advisor, Mike Burrell, or my promoter, Marshall Kaufman. Both of those guys have been in the game longer than me. All I know is what happened to me this time. And um, it shouldn't, it's not something that should keep happening if it's a thing that's happening regularly. Um, I know after the fight, Mike, obviously everyone came pouring in with support from all over social media, from all over the world, the UK, America, everywhere. Everyone that saw the fight knows that you should have won. And like I say, the support must have been overwhelming. You told me your phone hadn't stopped ringing. Um, of all the people that you spoke to, who seemed to have the kind of effect on you that, uh, you know, was able to raise your mood after, you know, just minutes after what had been such a horrible thing? Um... It was uh it was Lennox Lewis and Joe Goose and they both uh they both they they called me to the uh after, after the broadcast ended um they sent someone to find me like yo go find him before he leaves and they went to the a lady found me said man Lennox Lewis has been, I've been looking for you for like a half an hour Lennox Lewis wants to talk to you he called he sent me to come get you go to talk to him and the first thing he does when when I come in there he says bro you won that fight. Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. And he was just talking about, he told me about how he saw my progression as a fighter through the fights of me he's seen. And just to know that, you know, as, as a commentator, it's his job to know about the fighters, but to know that he sat and watched multiple fights of mine, my, me versus Ergashev, me versus Santa Maria, and me on versus Maestri just, just a few days ago. And he, for him to tell me he's seen a bunch of progression in my, in my boxing, that definitely cheered me up. And for him to tell me that I won that fight, him and Joe Rooster both said, yo, you won that fight and no, don't let nobody take that from you. And that, that really did cheer me up a lot. Now that's beautiful to hear, Mike. It really is. I love things like that. I know it's early, of course, um, but what do you want to be your next move and what do you think will be your next move realistically? Um, you know, I gave it, you know, I gave, I gave it a lot of thought. You know, I thought, man... Yeah, let me get a rematch, but in, in reality, that's gonna be the WBA saying I gotta beat this guy twice. I gotta beat this guy twice to reap the benefits of what, to what of what I should already have now. I mean, if the if the rematch is the next step, the rematch is the next step. But I would prove that I would rather them overturn the decision because I mean, dude, this wasn't a close fight. I earned this. Not just I don't deserve. I earned this uh, that belt. I earned everything that comes with that belt. I earned the the right to face Jamal James next, which I thought was going to be uh, the next step. Or maybe it still can be the next step. I earned the right to fight Jamal James uh, for his WBA title. You know, um, I thought that would be the next step. That, that that was the next logical step after fighting for the interim, after fighting and winning the interim title. You know, but um, now we just have to wait and see after all this investigation and things are done. You just got to wait and see what uh, what my next step actually is. And Mike, um, I want to ask you this as well, because I know that you're, you're, you're someone that, you know, spends a hell of a lot of time in the gym, even if it's just to support your gym mates. Um, have you been back in the gym already? Yeah, I went back to the gym uh, and supported my gym mates. Alante uh, Slaza, uh, Slaza he is fighting uh, at the end of the month, and my, uh, my other teammate, Gregory Outlaw, is fighting... Uh, early next month, September 10th. So I'm back there, lending my support, lending my energy, but I'm keeping myself from actually training because after having a grueling training camp and, a, and, and fighting a hard 12 rounds, you have to let your body heal. 
just uh, just you, you owe your body that much. In boxing, you ask a lot of your body. So when it's time, an opportunity for your body to rest, you have you have to give that your body that chance to do just that. Uh, just finally, Mike, before we wrap it up, if you've got any closing words, usually I like to ask you pretty much for the UK fans if you send them a message. But I feel like it's only right to give you an opportunity just to send out a message to not just the UK fans, but everyone worldwide that's poured in their support after watching that that terrible decision against yourself on Saturday night. Uh, yeah, the biggest thing I want to say is thank you to everyone who who, uh, who voiced their displeasure on social media after the uh, final bell had rang, um, because anything that I could do about it, it was, was, was could be done in, uh, within that 36 minutes I fought. Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's, who voiced their opinion and they let the WBA know that, that they did not approve of, of what happened to me. Um, it's given me leverage. It's given. It, it's opened up this investigation. If, if people would have just stayed silent, I would have just sat idly by and been the next the, the, the next case of of a, of a fighter robbed. But because because everybody spoke up and spoke out, um, and there's an investigation. Something's being done about it, and I thank everyone from the bottom of my heart for uh, for speaking up uh, for speaking for speaking up for me while I while I while I uh, while I have to endure. Just, 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 just the pain, just the pain that comes with you know losing one of the biggest fights of your career. Yeah, it's, it's something or I can not getting the decision. We'll say not getting the decision. I didn't lose. Yeah, no, it's something that. I can only imagine, Mike. I, I I admire your mental toughness, and you know the fact that you're remaining positive after such a, you know, a blatant incompetence from the officials is just is just awful. I'm obviously heartbroken for you, being a friend of mine. I can only imagine what you're going through. Like I say, but we will catch up again soon, Mike. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Like I say, I really mean that. Yeah, I appreciate speaking to you too, man. It's always good to hear from you, on and off the record. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Um, Boy, oh boy. We're going to start here with a bit of a sad one, Eddie. It's just broken. We're recording this podcast on a Tuesday, but it's just broken that the fight is off between Manny Pacquiao and Errol Spence. Errol Spence suffered an, an eye injury. Um, I believe it was a detached retina, so he's out of the fight. In steps your Dennis Ugas. Um, a bit of a blow, really, because it was a fight I was looking forward to so much. We oh. only had another week to wait, and now it's fallen through. So just give me a quick word on that one falling through. And, of course, Ugas is, is, is a very good replacement, but... Um, you'd have to now say that Pacquiao is probably the clear favorite, I think. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's just like, <laughs> when I heard it, I said, ah, oh, man. Because it's just, that was a topic of conversation so much with boxing fans and, just, and, and, and fighters and all that alike. It was just like, it was what we wanted to see. You know what I mean? Even though, you know, most people figure, oh, Pacquiao's past it, but he's been doing so well. It's kind of nice to... It would just be kind of nice to see him in there with Spence. I don't know why, but I really was looking forward to this fight and this, the hair that he... And then, now he got a detached retina. That is a very, very, very nasty injury to have, man. And it's like, how is he going to be after? You know what I mean? Is everything going to, you know, is the surgery or if he has to get surgery or anything like that, is it going to go well? And it's like, what the, what make, you know, what's going to happen with the rest of his career? But on to you guys, and it's like, you guys is a great replacement. He's a good guy to put in. You know, it's an, it's an interesting fight. He's going to come to fight. He's obviously going to come to win. 
But, you know, I would think that, you know, Pacquiao, especially if he's able to show that he still has a lot in the tank, should be able to win that fight pretty, I don't want to say easily, but he should be able to win the fight. Yeah, yeah, we shall see. So it's a bad blow for boxing fans, but all the best to Errol Spence. Um, yeah, in in other news, the IBF featherweight world champion, Kid Galahad, the newly crowned champion, has signed a promotional deal with Matram. I'm not quite sure if uh, it's going to be, you know, a, a two-fight deal or a three-fight deal or whatever. I'm not sure about that stuff, but he's signed with them. I thought he was already signed to them, but... It is what it is. Um, that is it, though, for the news part of the show. Moving on to the preview part, a really good card here that takes place on Friday, August 13th. So tomorrow, by the time this podcast goes out, at the Plaza de Turros de Puerto Banus in Marbella, Andalusia, Spain. There we go, baby. Um, and Donny Gargo, top in the bill. He is in a 12-rounder against Karim Guerfi, coming off that first-round knockout defeat to Lee McGregor. It's for the EBU European featherweight title. Um, moving out now to the Hotel Atlantis in Dubai. This is a weird card, Eddie, and you know I love a weird card. Uh, top in the bill, Anthony Sims Jr., 20-1 in a 12-rounder against Hernan Perez, who's 8-3. That one's for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Super Middleweight title. You've got Austin No Doubt Trout, friend of the show, 33-5 and five with a draw in a 10-rounder against Alejandro Davila, who's 22-2 and two with two draws. Austin Trout, a guy I've always had a lot of time for. I think he was the first world champion I ever interviewed, so I've always kind of had a place for him um, in my heart somewhere. But yeah, the guy he takes on, uh, you know, a Mexican fighter. Um, he suffered a loss to Sergei Boachuk back in 2020. He retired on his store after six against him. His other loss came to Mikhail Zuski. Um, we'll see. That could be interesting, actually. And I'm not finished on that card. Mike Perez, the Cuban, is back. He returns to the ring after almost three years out of it. Mike Perez, 24-3 and three with a draw. Steps in against Tony Salam, who's 14-2. and two. Nigerian fighter based in London. Um, looking at his record, and it's not that impressive at all. Um, yeah, be interesting, though, to see the Cuban um, back in the ring, the Cuban that lives in Ireland. Um, moving out now to the Matchroom HQ Garden in Brentwood, Essex, United Kingdom. This one, um, mm. it's a decent card, I think. It's a decent card. You've got Zelfa Barrett rumoured to be on the card, 25-1. and 1. No opponent just yet. He's supposed to be having a 10-round fight. Joe Caldina, 12-0 and 0 in a 10-rounder against Joshua Hernandez, who's 10-3. and 3. Uh, you've got Hopi Price, 4-0 in against Claudio Grande, who's 5-0. That's over six rounds. Somebody's all must go. You've got Raymond Ford of the United States, 8-0 with a draw in a 10-rounder against Reese the Bomber Bellotti, who's 14-4. That could be interesting. I think Raymond Ford is a talented fighter, but Reese Bellotti can punch. Uh, he really can punch. I've seen him. You know, been losing a fight and then come back to win by knockout. It's for the vacant WBA Continental Featherweight title. I think Reese Bellotti truly has got one foot out the door, really. But, um, you know, I'd like to see him do it, to be completely honest. Um, elsewhere on that card, we have Cash Farouk, 15-1. and one. It's for the vacant WBC International Bantamweight title. He takes on Luis Gerardo Castillo, who's 28-2. and two. Uh, just want to quickly look at his record. I 
I can't say I've um, heard of the, the guy before, to be honest. Mexican fighter. Um, oh boy, oh boy. This is quite a bad record looking at this. I mean, I don't think he's beaten a guy with a winning record yet. Maybe one or two early on, and they were bad. Oh man, oh man. Okay. <laughs> Moving on swiftly, uh, we've got Michael McKinson, friend of the show, 20-0, and 0, stepping in for the first time since beating Chris Congo in Gibraltar. He defends his WBO global welterweight title against Prism Slaw Ranowski. Probably saying that name really wrong. He's 19-1. and 1. His one loss came on points to Josh Kelly before Josh Kelly went out to the States and um, fought Ray Robinson and, of course, got the draw. Um, he's quite tough, Ranowski, to be honest with you. He's not a puncher. He's an out and outboxer, so is McKinson. I can see that one going the distance. It's over 12, like I say. Um, but yeah, McKinson, I think, is going to win that. He's he's raring to go, man. He's a guy in some serious form. And the main event, Joshua Boatsy, the Olympic bronze medalist, 14-0, and defending his WBA international light heavyweight title against Ricards Bolotniks, a man who won the golden contract MTK tournament. He's coming off that win in the final against Serge Michel. The fight before that, he beat Josea Burton. The fight before that, he knocked out in one round the previously undefeated undefeated Stephen Ward. He's really in some form, man. His last loss came back in 2018, three years ago, to Tabiso Machunu. So, uh, yeah, this guy this guy's a good fighter. Since losing to Machunu, he has put together an impressive streak of wins that could be interesting there i really think it could because Bolotniks is quite stubborn but is no doubt the better boxer and all the rest of that but you know i think Bolotniks is gonna try and put it on Boatsy and i think it's gonna be interesting but Boatsy i mean jesus he should win the fight it's a it's another opponent that i don't think we're too pleased about it's a step in the right direction though moving out now to the dignity health sports park in carson california usa over here we've got roche warren 18 and in against Damian Vasquez, 16 and 2 with a draw. That's over 10 rounds there. Um, I want to say Damian Vasquez is the guy that I think lost to. I think it was. Um, oh my gosh. Was it Brandon Figueroa? I think. Uh, yes, his last fight, he lost to Brandon Figueroa, TKO round 10. His other loss came to Juan Carlos Payano. He's not that bad of a fighter, though, so it's a decent fight for Roche Warren. Elsewhere on that card, we will be speaking to him soon. Gary Antonio Russell, 18 uh, 18 and 0 with 12 KOs in a 12 rounder for the WBA interim world bantamweight title against Emmanuel Rodriguez, 19 and 2, coming off that loss to Raymark Gabayo, which was terrible. The I remember the the commentary team had it a complete shutout for um, Emmanuel Rodriguez. And somehow they gave it to Raymark Gabayo. So there's no way in the world he should be coming off a loss. And by the way, Gary Antonio Russell fought on that undercard. Now he's fighting the man. So uh, I think that's going to be a great fight. I think, I don't know, that's a tough fight there for Gary Antonio Russell, as talented as the Russell brothers are. And the main event, John Real Casemiro, 30-4. and four. It was supposed to be a unification against Nonito Donaire. They couldn't agree on certain things. Instepped Rigondo um, at 20-1. Again, Rigondo still only has that one loss to Lomachenko. It's going to be a good fight there for the WBO bantamweight world title over 12 rounds. Really looking forward to that one. Uh, Matt's on Showtime. 
Uh, moving out now to the World Congress Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Over here, a couple guys to mention. We've got return to the ring for Anthony Peterson, who's 37-1 and with a draw. It's his 40th fight. I thought he was retired. He's fighting a six-rounder against Jairo Lopez, who's 27-12. and I think it's the first time... Uh, that Peterson's boxed in quite a while. I don't think he's actually won a fight for about five years, which is crazy to think that he's only got one loss. He's been inactive, and things haven't really been too smooth for him, I don't think, outside of the ring. Elsewhere on that card, Hassim Rackman Jr., friend of the show, in a six-rounder against Nathan Bedwell, who's 5-17 and 17 with a draw, and Sharif Rackman, the brother, 6 Rounds against Donis Reed, who's three and eight with a draw. Sharif Ratman four and zero. I hope that both the Ratman brothers remain undefeated and both pick up uh, wins there. Moving out now to the Cosmopolitan Lounge in in um, in Georgia, USA. Just one fight to mention over here. It's a prospect to keep an eye on. I've said it for years now. Lorenzo Simpson, 9-0, looking to make it double-figure wins in an eight-rounder against Manny Woods, who's 17-12 and 12 with a draw. Uh, I always mention Lorenzo Simpson. He's never been on the show, but I know he's a really good young prospect. Moving out now to the Palladium in Massachusetts, USA. A good heavyweight fight over here. Friend of the show, Cassius Cheney, 20-0 in a 10-rounder against Sean Dell Winters, 13-5. That's a really, really good fight for Cassius Cheney. There's so much action on. I'm really excited for this. Moving out now to the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Tulsa, Oklahoma, USA. Over here on the undercard, Jason Maloney, the, the, the one half of the uh, Maloney twins, 21-2 in a 10-rounder against Joshua Greer Jr., 22-2 with two draws. Brilliant fight there for the vacant WBC silver bantamweight title. Elsewhere on the card, Arnold Barboza Jr., 25-0, steps in against Antonio Moran, who's 26-4 with a draw. That's over 10 rounds. And the main event, it's the third fight. It's the trilogy fight between Joshua Franco, 17-1, with two draws in a 12-rounder against Andrew Maloney, 21-1 for the WBA world super flyweight title. Um... This is redemption time for Andrew Maloney, to be honest with you. The first fight, he lost fair and square. The second fight, he cut Franco with a punch, but they said it was an accidental head clash, and it should have been, you know, it should have been... I mean, it was investigated. I didn't hear any update. There was, there was, you know, film of the fight. They stopped the fight for half an hour. I remember watching it... Um, and so did you, Eddie. I remember you watched it where they paused the fight for half an hour to review like one round and still didn't get it right. We were we were both fuming about that. And I kind of want him to win. I mean, he's a friend of the show. Of course, I want him to win. But he deserves to win, man. God almighty. But it's going to be a good fight. And oh my God, there's probably going to be drama again because there seems to be drama every time. So all the best to Andrew Maloney. Um, what a fight that's going to be there. Really looking forward to that. Again, that one's on ESPN. So... Um, I've got to find a way to watch all of these fights. And the final card to mention, at the Ford Center in Frisco, Texas, USA. This one's on the zone. You've got Virgil Ortiz Jr., 17-0 with 17 KOs for the WBO International Welterweight title against the, um, what do they call him, the machine. Um, Igis Kavalowskis, 22-1 with a draw. The one loss came to Terrence Crawford. 
man, this is a brilliant step up for Ortiz. You know, he's coming off that win last time out against Maurice Hooker. Um, it's another step in the right direction. I think this guy is the future. It's so exciting, this this welterweight division, when you speak about the likes of Virgil Ortiz and the likes of Jerron Ennis. I mean, these guys are the future, and it's a, it's a brilliant fight. I want to see Jerron Ennis start picking up his opposition, to be honest with you. I like his, his fight last time out against Lipinets. Full credit for that one, but this is another one here for Ortiz. Um, I think the undercard features two world title fights if I'm not mistaken as well that's what I've heard I can't see it online at the minute but anyway that's it for the preview part of the show we tried to fly through that there's just so much on the final thing for me to do is to welcome our second guest on this week's podcast ladies and gentlemen please welcome the undefeated bantamweight contender it is of course Mr. Gary Antonio Russell Gary welcome to the show my friend hello thank you for having me Hey, it's my pleasure. So, Gary, first things first, your older brother, Gary Jr., has been on the show a few times before. Obviously, it's the first time you've been on. Just tell me from your perspective what it was like, you know, growing up in an out-and-out pure boxing family, training in that infamous boxing basement you had. Oh, man, it was tough. It was tough, you know. We had very little, but the things that we did have, we made work. We made work. We uh, grind hard. We trained every day. You know, we stuck to it. And it is it is unbelievable. Like I say, the 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 amount of talent in one family. Um, how many amateur fights did you have in total, Gary? Because obviously all the brothers have got deep amateur careers. Obviously you all won the Golden Gloves at least once. It's, it's sensational. Uh, honestly, I don't even know how many amateur bouts I have. I just know I had a little over 200. Damn. And I know I had 13 losses. Okay. I remember everyone I lost to. Okay. So I know I have 13 losses. Okay, well, like I say, you're all, uh, you know, you, you all had very deep amateur careers. You've been a pro since 2015. You're still undefeated, like I said, Gary, but correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, obviously, Gary Russell Jr. is flying the flag for the family due to being a world champion. Uh, Gary Antoine Russell is being spoken about a lot more, especially recently due to that knockout streak that just continues to go on and on. Is it fair to say that you're the least spoken about brother right now? And if so, does that mean that the pressure isn't on you as much as them? I mean, uh, it's fair to say that. I feel as though I am. You know, I'm not assertive as the rest of my bros. Uh, also, I does not feel that it puts more pressure on me. It don't. Uh, I like to see my bros shine. I know in due time, probably after this fight, more people would notice me. Yeah, I agree. And I think the last fight as well was, was um, you know, a, a brilliant thing for your profile. And I want to touch on that just briefly. You boxed December 19th against Juan Carlos Payano. You won the fight, obviously a technical decision after seven. Uh, a very good win, considering Payano was coming off that highly disputed loss the fight before to Daniel Roman. A lot of, po- a lot of people thought he did enough to beat Daniel Roman. So he certainly wasn't done. He certainly wasn't you know, over the hill. Um, just tell me briefly about that win for you there. Uh, honestly, as of right now, in my professional ranking, I feel like that was my toughest bout that I had thus far. And it's not because of Payano's skill set. Honestly, mentally, I was somewhere else with losing my brother the same week in which I had to uh, actually compete. You know, and I feel like that played a big part in uh, my skill set and how I looked into the, in the fight uh, against 
you know i can i i can relate to that i understand that's uh that's that's a terrible thing i didn't actually know that but you know boxing is oh, obviously very sorry about that no it's okay it's okay um uh, do you know what it's, it sounds crazy to say it. i'm gonna go off track a little bit here but i'm in the same situation right now myself um my, my brother is actually uh coming to his final days with cancer right now so uh you know i, I can understand uh, i'm the, sorry the to hear that man it's i'm okay, sorry man. to hear that it's okay, man. Uh, it's okay. It's terrible. But anyways, we'll get we'll get nah, back to touch it. Me, I know. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get back to it. I'm glad that we can both relate in some way there. Um, y- your next yeah. fight is taking place this Saturday in California on the Rigondo versus Casimiro undercard. You're boxing former IBF world champion Emmanuel Rodriguez. Now your fight with Payana was on his undercard, and on that night, Rodriguez, in my opinion, was a hundred percent robbed against um, Raymark Gabayo. So again, Rodriguez is certainly not done. Um, tell me your thoughts on him as a fighter, Gary. Uh, my thoughts on him as a fighter, he's a good one. He's a uh, well-seasoned fighter. You know, he has ample hand speed, has decent punching power, according to his record. Uh, he has a good rock, a ring IQ. He knows, he knows his way around the ring. I feel like he's a uh, tough, well-rounded fighter. Do you see this as being a tougher fight than, than the Payano fight? I know you obviously touched on the reason that fight was so tough was because of the outside of the ring issues. Uh, I don't know. Styles makes fights. Styles makes fights. I, I look to go in there and have a tough fight. I'm definitely not. I'm going in there to look to be calculated, smart, use my ring IQ, defensive hand, discipline, and everything, you know, and execute all our game plan. And I want to ask you this as well. I mentioned that you boxed on the on on Rodriguez's undercard back in December. Um, were you able to watch that main event live in person? Did you get to watch it up close or not? Uh, honestly, like I said, mentally I was dealing with so much. Uh, losing my brother and fighting in the same week. After I fought, I went and got my meds, and I completely broke down in the back room, and I, I had to leave. So no, I didn't get to watch uh, the fight live at all. I don't. I don't even think I watched his fight. To probably, I say, uh, an entire month later. Okay, I understand that, man. Um, I want to ask you this as well, Gary. How do you see this fight playing out? Um, it's it's still not been too long since you lost your brother. Is that something that's gonna, you know, you know, affect you mentally in in the ring this time? <sighs> oh nah, nah. It's something I definitely still deal with every single morning I wake up. But, nah, I feel like I'm strong enough and mentally strong enough to really, you know, tell them that for this fight. I'm I'm glad to hear that, my friend. And, obviously, this fight's for the WBA interim bantamweight world title. The regular champion is currently Rigondo. Um, like I said, he's the main event. You're boxing on the undercard. Is that the fight that you'll be hoping to get next, the winner of Rigondo Casemiro? I mean, I would love to see that fight. I mean, I would love for that fight to happen for me as well. But first thing first, we got to get past Emmanuel, you know. I'm not overlooking anyone. Uh, so for me to win this fight, if it puts me in the position to actually fight him, that's what I would love. That's what we'd love as well as fans. I mean, it's, like I say, such an exciting thing, being able to watch you and your brothers at the top level. It's just it's just unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I want to ask you this as well. I don't want you to look too far ahead, but is there anyone else that you would like to fight in your head? Do you have like a, a list of names or any names at all that you want to fight at some point in the near future? In order. 
any order. In order. If John and John if John Real Casemiro come out victorious, it would be him. Uh just take this fight out of the equation, Perry. If they was never fighting each other in order, if I had a chance to fight these people, it would be John Real Casemiro, then Reagan Dow, Denito Denier. No, maybe Denito Denier first or Reagan Dow. And then anyway. Okay. Louis Norrie used to be in that list of fighters. He used to be in my list of fighters, but he's not undefeated, so. Yeah, yeah, we saw him Damn. lose, obviously, recently, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's a brilliant list, though. I mean, all those fights are very exciting, of course. I don't have to tell you that. They're brilliant fights. What's your thoughts on Naoya Inoue? Oh, he's a great fighter. He's one of the greatest. He's actually one of my favorites in the in my division, actually, uh. I love the punch of power which he possess. You know, he's a, he's a skilled young fighter. I like him. Yeah, a little little like Japanese him. beast he is. Um, just coming down to my couple last questions he's okay. here. <laughs> he's okay. Just coming down to my last couple questions, Gary. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, but the listeners love to hear the answers that guys from overseas come up with <laughs> for this question. Who springs to mind, Gary, when I ask who's your favorite fighter from the UK? It can be any era. Who springs to mind? Honestly, I don't have one right now. I can't say. That's okay. I honestly can't say. Yeah, you're going to have to come back on me with this. I'm going to have to really look and be like, hey, let me see which really great fighter that I like. Because I like all of them. I watch them a lot. Actually, one of my favorites, she's a female too. I forget her name. She's a female fighter. She usually fight in black and gold. Ah, Katie Taylor? Yes. Okay, okay. She's from the UK, correct? She's from Ireland, so it's like next door. So it's not. Uh, it's no, actually not, not really, considered not really. UK. Uh, but, not really. Know. No, so I can't count her either. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, you <laughs> so gotta good. get back every with that. Also, forgive me because I'm also not a a guy who watches boxing regularly, and I, even though I'm a fighter. Exactly. That's what it's weird. That's what your brother Gary Jr. told me before as well. He really never watches boxing. I've asked him about some fights and he doesn't even know who the guys are. So, <laughs> Yeah, so I don't want anybody to think I'm being disrespectful without no, playing no, anything. No. I honestly just don't watch it. One no, thing I can cool. say is I started to watch it more now as I climbed up the ranking. Okay. You know, I, I feel like I, as the more I, I climb up the ranking, I'm, I'm getting more submerged into the sport, which I ever was. So I'm actually starting to study everyone, you know, look at everyone good and bad. So I'm watching older guys, newer guys, and everything. Okay, so I can man. honestly say that now I am picking up on watching a lot of the fighters now. Okay, okay, that's fine. But yeah, we will come back to that. I'm sure we will speak again in the future. Just before we wrap it up, Gary, if you've got any closing words just to the listeners, um, in particular as well to the UK fans. Over here, we've got you know heaps and heaps of boxing fans. They love real fighters. You're a guy that you know hardcore fans over here absolutely admire. They admire your entire family. What's your words uh, to those guys that support you from this part of the world? Man, I thank y'all. Keep supporting. I'm glad that I know. I'm looking forward to coming over to the UK and fight. It's always been a dream of mine. It's something that I always said I wanted to do once I turned pro. So hopefully y'all get to see me over there on y'all side of town and I can perform. And real briefly, what is your um, social media handles? Where can people follow you if they're not already following you? You can follow me on Instagram at Gary Antonio Russell underscore. 
Okay, there we go. Gary Antonio Russell underscore. Follow that if you're not already following. But listen, Gary, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Thank you for your time. Best of luck for Saturday night, and I hope that we can speak sometime after. Uh, likewise, and I thank you, and I appreciate you for having me. Okay, and this wraps up episode 304 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A massive thank you to our two guests this week, the top welterweight contender, Michael Fox, and the undefeated bantamweight contender, Gary Antonio Russell. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thank you once again for tuning in this week. Remember, this podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. Visit manscaped.com and use the promo code BOXHARD for 20% off plus free shipping. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.